don't know. <laughs> Someone says, are you not nervous? No, I'm like a puppy running after a ball. Because it's, it's, it's so awesome. And, mm, yeah, and um, thanks for the opportunity. It's, it's amazing. So, I, I want to talk about our highest calling. And, um, yeah, we'll get to that. But I want you to see that God is actually talking to us over the last couple of weeks in a certain manner. When the word is spoken, spiritual things become accessible. Do you know that? that when the disciples uh, said to, when Jesus said to the disciples, don't you want to leave as well? They said, no, because you've got words of life. And Jesus says, the words I speak are spirit and are life. So that is what the purpose is of a preaching. It's not to give wisdom to the mind, but to give spirit and life that can deposit something in your heart that is from God that you can respond to. Amen? That is the reason of preaching. So that's why I'm excited. I don't know how it's going to pan out. We'll see. But I want to give you a snippet of what God has been speaking in the last few weeks. I hope that when you hear a preaching, you go home and you start to digest it. You start to think about it and, 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 and mill it through. A couple of weeks, a guy was here named Andrew Sally, was it? No. And he spoke about the bride of Christ. And can you put up the first scripture? And the thing is, when you hear a message, be very careful how to respond to it. The bride of Christ is like a red line through Scripture, a narrative that, that was always in the heart of God. But you could listen to that and say, oh, now I have to do something. But can I show you something beautiful that, that, that we need to change our thinking? And today I pray that you say, Lord, do I need to change my thinking about this and my heart attitudes towards it? I'm going to throw in some terms that we're going to reclaim for the kingdom. That we've always deemed, nah, that, that, that is not good. No, no, no. We're going to ask God to make it new for us. So here it, it is. Oh, well, that's actually the wrong one. Oh, sorry, I'm so bad with it. So the first one is actually Genesis 1. Is it 1 verse 18? Oh, that's not the one. It's the one where God says, it's not good for men to be alone. Sorry, take it out. I'm terrible with numbers. I, I'm a bit, bit dyslexic, so it's always... Uh, I don't know if the other ones will come out right. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but it's in, in the first of Genesis where God says, It's not good for men to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. It's the first prophetic word because God didn't say it's not good for Adam to be alone. He says it's not good for men to be alone. And he's talking about his son. He's including the Lord Jesus there. And he says, I'm not just talking about Adam. He doesn't say it's not good for Adam to be alone. He says, it's not good for men to be alone. When a man comes to me and says, do you think God wants me to marry? Or he says, it's not good for men to be alone. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But, but it's not good for men to be alone. I will make a helper who's just right for him. But do you see that the Bible says, I will make. I will make. God takes the responsibility to create out of that chaos a wife for his son, a bride who's just right. And we can only respond to the plan of God. He says, Lord, yes, 
I want to be part of your plan. I want to be part of what you have ordained from the beginning of the from the beginning of the world. That is my highest calling to say yes to your plan. Do you see that? It's a different attitude. It's not like, oh, I have to. No, I want to be part of, I want to become someone who is just right for you. Do you see that? Beautiful. And then color. He says we need to live in a response to what God did through Christ. He, um, the, the worship band mentioned it. Living in a response to what God has been doing. Ephesians 4 verse 1. I hope I've got that one right. I'm quite sure. It starts with therefore. <laughs> Ephesians 4 verse 1. That should be possible. <laughs> man. Oh, man. I don't know which. Oh, is it, is it which Bible are you reading from? Oh, my word. <laughs> anyway, Ephesians 4 verse 1. It says, therefore, uh, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The therefore is actually the most important thing. If you read therefore, your question must be what it's there for. And it's because of the first three chapters, and, and Carla explained it so well. And the first three chapters are nothing about you. It's all about what God did through Christ on our behalf for us. Therefore, because God did it all, we respond. We respond to live a manner worthy of the calling. God has called us, and He says, yes, Lord, I want to be, be worthy of that higher calling that you have for me. That is what you have for me. I want to want to link to that and hold on to that. And then, I hope this one's going to go right. Romans 12 verse 1. There's another therefore. So the whole book of Romans is written all about the greater plan of God. And then only in chapter 12, oh, my word. I appeal to you, in other, my translation is therefore. I appeal to you, therefore. There is the therefore. There it is. There is. There is. Brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Your bodies. We need to say, oh, yes, Lord, because of all of that, I'm going to give myself as a sacrifice to you. Do you know that that is not an, uh, 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 that is an intent of your heart? That is an intent of your spirit. That is the uh, natural, normal response. Do you see that? So our faith and our Christian living is in response to what God has done. You need to get out of saying, Lord, will you? I forbid you to pray, Lord, will you? It says you, we must start praying, Lord, thank you. <laughs> Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing. Help me to, to, to figure out what you're doing. We're not in control. God is in control. Amen. And then Kala spoke about um, the Leviathan last week. I'm going to say something about that because when I hear stories like that, I always go get excited because I like those, those, those crazy uh, scriptures. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 
You know how you can translate that as well? There where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. There where the Spirit of the Lord is, you look, yeah, there where the Spirit, where, where is it? There is freedom. So let's look for it. No, no, no. There where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. The Spirit of the Lord. There where the Spirit is Lord. There where we've given Him His rightful place. There where we say, Lord, you are Lord. We are not. And then the freedom comes. And oh, I've learned so much from a brother in the Netherlands about deliverance. And then Job 41 is all about this Leviathan, this big animal, this, this demonic figure. It's difficult to catch. But it starts with, who can, who can catch him? Who can put a hook in him? Who can, who can catch him? And what he always prayed, Lord, you've got the hooks to pull out this one. <laughs> you can. When God asks a question, who, who, can, who can catch this Leviathan? It's uh, Job 41 verse 1. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? You know what the response is? No, that's right, I can't. But you can. You can. And when the Spirit is Lord, the problems in your life that have kept you stuck for a long time get loose and get released. And God is going to come and do the things that we can't. We need to give up struggling against the things that we cannot conquer and let God. Um, I brought um, one of my uh, Tozer. If you want to read good books, read him. It freaks you sometimes out because he's, he, he's good. The reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. We're still trying to interfere with the work of God in us. Wow, let that sink down. So, in a response to those three preaching, do you see that they've got, a, got the same theme? God is making a bride for a son. We need to respond to what God is doing, live in a response. And now, the problems that we can't solve, God can solve when we make him Lord. That's more or less the red line that, that um, yeah. And then, then I said, can I do the next one? <laughs> and I want to talk about what is our highest calling uh, Cuppy, where is, where is he, Cuppy? Where is, uh, he's with the kids or something. He, he came forward and he says, I'm, I'm just a member, not an elder. No, you're a saint. Do you know when, when you, you um, had to register for the conference, you have to, to cross either you're a saint or an elder. And I think they're not in the same category. Because a saint is the highest calling. An elder is a saint given to the church as an elder. It's in a different league. It's, it, it, I hope that they change the wording next year. Say, either you're a saint or you're a saint with a calling to be an elder to the church. It's not like you're at a different level. The highest calling is that of saint. You're still a saint. Sorry. You're still a saint. <laughs> We're called to be saints. Now, and there's a word I want to reintroduce, and it's the word ambition. We know all about false ambitions. We know artists have ambitions to be good painters, uh, students. We've got a bunch of South Africans in France that have a lot of ambition to win the World Cup, for instance. Ambition. Is ambition wrong? No, not necessarily. But there is a kind of ambition that God wants us to have 
Can, um, can you get the next scripture? John 5, verse 44. And Jesus talks with the Pharisees about this kind of ambition. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Seek the glory that comes from the only God. And it's almost something that is under a dynamic that we don't get. We all seek something. We all seek something. But when you get a Christian, no, you shouldn't seek anything. No, it's wrong. We should seek something. The glory that comes from God. Do you know that God wants to share his glory with us? Is that new to you? He doesn't want to be alone in heaven. He wants us to be there and be partakers of his glory. Yeah. And here Jesus says, how can you believe if you still seek glory from one another? And I want to tell you, listen, the glory that is up for grabs in the kingdom of God is his glory. Not, not glory among each other. That's really peripheral. It's the glory of God. Seek the glory that comes from above. And it doesn't say, it says, seek the glory that comes only from God. There is a glory to be received that God wants to give. Really? Yes. So, the next scripture is John 12, verse, uh, verse 26. John 12, verse 26. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will, uh, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. We usually stop before that. Lord, it's all for you. It's all for you. And it's true. That's the way you give, when you give honor to God. But do you know that then you also receive honor back? You see that? If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I hope that you say without reservation, that's what I want. That's not selfish. God wants us to say without selfish ambition, but because to give honor to God, also, you get honor yourself to say, that's actually what I want. I want that. I want to receive the honor that's from above. There is nothing selfish about it. Do you know why? Because God wants to give it. What is selfish about saying, I want to receive what God wants to give? We need to change our thinking about that. I know you said, like, mm, really? Yeah. Okay, next scripture. Um, Romans 2 verse 7, we sang that song, for you, unto you is all the glory, the honor, and immortality, Romans 2, for those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. What? Here the Bible says that we also need to seek for glory, honor, and immortality. Read it. It's crazy. It's true. It says that needs to be, that's actually the description of a saint. A saint is someone who looks for glory and honor and immortality in eternity with God. 
That is the response. When you see what God is doing, you say, yes, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of your team. And even if you are part of the team on the field or on the side bench, you all win. And you all get the glory together with God. I know that this might sound new. Who is this new, by the way? Who says, ah, ah. you don't dare to pick, stick up your hand? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but I want to challenge you guys. Spiritual ambition means that you have a strong desire to do and achieve something. God doesn't want us to be lame ducks. He wants us to have ambition for the things of the kingdom. That is a response to what he's doing. Now, how do you do that? John 15, verse 1 to 2, it's about the vine dresser. It says, my father is the vine dresser. I'm the vine and you are the vine. Uh, I'm the, the, and you're the grapes. Now, a vine dresser wants to be proud of his vineyard. He wants to take his friends to the vineyard and say, have you, have you seen my grapes? But the only job the grapes can do is take up the sunshine and the water from the vine. But our, that's the way you give honor to the vine dresser. Have the vine dresser say, did you see my grapes? Do you see that giving honor to the Father is also the way you receive honor back from him? Have you seen my grapes? Have you seen how well they develop with the things that I give them? I give them sunshine and water. And, and I'm proud of them because they are my pride. And my father is the vine dresser. Job, when the, the devil comes and, and, uh, in, in, in the presence of God, God says to him, so where have you been? Now I've been actually walking back and forth on the earth. And then God says, oh, you were on the earth, but then you must have seen Job. You must have seen him. Did you see him? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen that he's righteous and God-fearing and that he loves me? Yeah. But then, then Satan says, but it's only because you bless him, you give him honor, and you put a hedge of protection around him. That's the only reason why he does it. And then the whole thing plays out. Do you see that it's a give and take? Satan says, of course he loves you because you give him a blessing, because you are with him, because you put a hedge of protection around him. But the whole story starts with God boasting about Job. Have you seen Job? Did you see it? Did you see them? Now, let me give you one that is New Testament, Ephesians 3 verse 10. This is, um, God, God wants to still do that. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Heavenly places. Have you seen Stellenbosch? Have you, have you, did, you, did you see that little church there called Josh Jen AM or PM or whatever we are? Have you seen it? I know it's a bunch of rough people, and, and, but, but I want to make my manifold wisdom visible to you guys through that church. God wants to boast about us. And we might think we're not getting everything right, but God is boasting about what he is doing in us, through us, to us, for us, and so on. And we need to latch on to that and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I, wanna, I want you to be, able to, to be able to show your manifold wisdom to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. I want to be... be I want you to be able to boast on that 
and, and, and show them. <laughs> do you see that? He wants to, God hasn't changed. He still wants to show. He wants to show us off in that sense. Do you see that? I, I would say, Lord, I want to be someone that you can show off. That's ambition and not a bad one. Not for other people, but for God. Not for other men, but for God. Do you see that the way to receive honor is to give God honor? The way to receive immortality is by having an, an eternal vision that stretches further than your current life. Okay, I'm, I said, I'm going to do this, Lord, yes or no? All right, let's do it. Um, I'm, I'm in business. And a funny, thing's, a funny thing happens when you're in business is people want to give you advice. I don't know why. It's, do you, do you, when you go to the doctor, do you want to give them advice? Maybe you do. I don't know. Or, uh, but, but, but people always want to give you advice. So, and this day, someone came to me and says, Hans, I've got a book for you, and you must really read it. And it's Half Time by Bob Buford. So, uh, thank you. And then I read it, and something bothered me. I'll, I'll, I'll read you something about it. Moving from success to significance. That is the subtitle of the book. <clears throat> okay. Let the second half of your life be better than the first. What do you want to do with the rest of your life? This book provides encouragement and insight to propel your life to a new course of true significance and the best years of your life. I'm like, <clears throat> okay, really? Take stock of your success and accomplishments. Redefine significance and what it meant to you, or what it means to you. And develop a mission for serving God in the rest of your life. Okay, this is pure carnality with a Christian source. Take stock of your successes. There is no success out of God's plan. My successes, the stuff that should flourish in my life is what God is able to achieve in my life. The things that should flourish are the things that God has made in my life. The fruit of the Spirit is not my fruit. It's His fruit. Redefine significance. Yes. Seeking honor and glory and immortality. That is significance in eternity. Not significance in business. Who cares? In 10 years, no. Three years, two years, nobody will remember my name here. Honestly, please. Do we really, is it our call to, to make an impact in the world? No, it's our call to make an impact in heaven. Where God can say, have you seen, have you seen? Then... You develop a mission for serving God. No. God has a mission. God has a mission. We need to become part of His mission. Come on, guys. What a carnality with the Christian source. And there's a lot of that stuff around. Please don't fall for it. Please don't fall for it. What is God's plan is that we seek honor and glory in His eternal plan. So, God is the one who makes saints. Can we go to Revelation um, 7, verse 9? 
John is um, an apostle to the church, and he is uh, taken to Patmos. And I, w- I want to give a little bit of a take on this. He had to write these seven letters to the churches, and most of it wasn't really cool. And prophets always have this thing like, oh, how is God going to do this? <laughs> is God really going to, oh, my word, there's so much work, there's so much, so much mess. Is, it, is God really going to do it? And I think this is one of the most encouraging chapters that John had to write down and what he saw. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and worshiping God. By the way, this from every nation, the better translation is out of every nation, out of every tribe, out of, because we're called out of this world. You don't enter the kingdom as a South African. You entered the kingdom as a kingdom person. That's what the Lord's prayer means. Our Father who is in heaven. Our Father is your identification. Hallowed be your name is his glorification, his adoration. Your kingdom come becomes your affiliation and your will be done becomes your dedication. You are a citizen of heaven. There are no South Africans and from Kenya. They're out of. They've been removed. They've been set apart. A holy nation unto God. You see that? Let's get rid of the cultural nonsense as well. Good. Um, uh, Revelation 13. Uh, sorry. Uh, 7 verse 13. 7 verse 13. It's a beautiful thing that takes place here. Then one of the elders. So there are elders in heaven. Don't worry. Uh, addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? Verse 14. I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood. I think it happens like this. John doesn't dare to ask this question because he stands in amazement and he thinks to himself, how did God do this? Where did all these people come from? I've just written about all these, this trouble in these churches. And now he shows me a, a, a crowd that nobody can count. How did God do that? Where did they come from? In amazement. Then an elder says, okay, where do they come from? Where, who did that? And he's like, I don't know. I've no idea how God did that. I've no idea how God has been able to, through the stuff that I have seen, do that. You get that? Let's read on. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood. Something that God does. And we respond to that. Can you go forward to verse 15? Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Honor, glory, and immortality, my friends. Honor, glory, and immortality. God wants us to share in that. To be in front of the throne is the highest place of honor. 
glory and immortality. They have come through it. Verse 16. They shall hunger no more. They shall thirst any, uh, not thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them for any torching heat. Honor, glory, and immortality. Similar story is in Kings 19, where Elijah, after the Mount Carmel, runs into the desert and says, Lord, I'm the only one left. There's no one left. And then God says, no, 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 you don't get it. I have 7,000 hidden that did not bow their knees to Baal and kiss him. And you're like, serious? I didn't know that. So I'm not the only one. No, you're not the only one. But in his mind, he was, Lord, I'm the only one left, the only one who's righteous. And God says, no, no, no. A friend of him had a hundred people, a hundred in a cave, and hundred by a brook, so he thought, maybe those hundred in me. And God says, no, I've got 7,000. God's plan is bigger than ours. And those are people that are not in the public life. Those people are not people that have a ministry necessarily. Those are people that have, have an inner relationship with God and have, have, have latched onto the bigger plan of God. Those are saints. And that is the highest calling on, your, on everybody's life, to be a saint living for God, to seek his honor, his glory, and his immortality. Um, Act 7, verse 55 and 56. Did you leave? Oh. All right. Do you mind if I just read it out of my Bible? Um. Oh, she's back. <laughs> Can you look up Acts um, 7, verse 55 and 56? Act 7. Good. As an introduction to this, in the beginning of um, Acts, Peter preaches and says, And Christ is now risen up and seated at the right hand of God. Right? Seated at the right hand of God. Here Stephen is, um, is stoned because of his faith. And he got a glimpse of heaven. But... But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Jesus stood up from his throne to receive Stephen into heaven. What a glory that God stands up from his throne. He saw him standing, not seated, standing. Oh, wow. Isn't that awesome? Heaven is affected by what's going on here on earth. Heaven sees the trouble that you go through. Heaven sees how you respond to his call, his higher call to be a saint. And when he came to the end of his life, Jesus stood up and embraced his brother home. Isn't that the highest honor? Isn't that the highest thing that we can ever receive from God? And um, <clears throat> Revelation 3, verse 21. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes. I like overcome, but okay. 
I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. You have this picture of many thrones in heaven and that's, that's fine. But here he says, I sat with my father on his throne, one big throne, God, Jesus. And he says, I, when you overcome, I'll make you sit with me on my throne. What? Yeah. God wants you to come and sit on the throne in heaven. Really? It's not blasphemous. He says it. Wow. God's desire is that when you overcome, to have you sit with him on his throne. A saint makes it his heart's desire to receive the honor and glory and immortality that God wants to give. Our culture belongs up there. Our thinking belongs up there. Our everything belongs up there. Of course, while still on earth. Sorry, this is a quote of Tozer. People will recognize and say, well, well, that person belongs in heaven. And I know many people like that. I suppose one of the most awkward things in the world is a goose walking around. But one of the most graceful sights in the skies are wild geese with its wings spread in the way to the north. I suppose we act awkward because we belong there. Those of you who work, uh, who work surrounded by people that are not Christians can, uh, can easily fit, cannot, uh, cannot easily fit into the conversations when break time, uh, break time comes. Because you act awkwardly. You can't fit into the conversation. And you're worried that you, uh, and, and you feel ashamed and wonder why. It is because you belong to God. You have, the, you have another spirit. You talk another language and you speak this world's language with an accent. They have not seen you yet with your, with your wings. Wait until the time comes when the children of God spread their wings and soar away with him in glory. Then they will see how graceful they are. We're like geese. We become uncomfortable on this earth because this is not our home. Be careful when you're too comfortable here. That might be a sign that there's something wrong with you. A believer should be uncomfortable here because our true comfort is with him.